0: Three, two, one, let's go. All right, welcome back to the 7th Generation Podcast. This is your host, Dr. B. Today I'm going to talk about the American Indian Movement and Leonard Peltier. I've been thinking a lot about Leonard lately. There's a walk on his behalf. There's a group of Native Americans, AIM members who are walking to Washington, D.C. to raise awareness about Leonard Peltier and his story. His story has been incredibly impactful in my life. For those of you who don't know who Leonard Peltier is, he's currently serving a life sentence for aiding and abetting the murder of Jack Collar and Ronald Williams, two FBI agents who are killed in 1975 in South Dakota on the Jumping Bull Ranch. He's been in prison for over 46 years. I didn't know anything about his story growing up. It wasn't until I was probably around 17 when I first heard of Leonard Peltier. I had a friend of mine who had this really interesting mother who gave me this book, and she was just like, I think you really like this. It was this really thick book. I don't know. It's like 700, 800 pages long. It's been years since I've, I've read uh, this book by Peter uh, Matheson, In the Spirit of Crazy Horse. And at this time, it was clueless when it came to the history of indigenous peoples. I mean, it was a different time. When you went to school, you were learning about Western civilization. You were learning about U.S. history from a Eurocentric point of view. You didn't learn anything about issues related to Native people. You learned about tribal sovereignty. You didn't learn about indigenous rights. But when I read this book, "In the Spirit of Crazy Horse" by Peter Mathiason, Peter Matheson, excuse me. It was so impactful and I remember started reading a couple of pages and I could not put this book down. It was so enthralling. I never knew anything about the American Indian movement. I never knew anything about these men who came out of the penitentiaries, who came from the urban areas, who'd been a part of relocation and got together formed an organization and went about fighting on behalf of indigenous people, fighting for tribal sovereignty, trying to do something about police brutality against Native Americans, the poverty, trying to reduce uh, Native American incarceration rates, protecting sacred sites, protecting, again, the rights of indigenous people, enhancing tribal sovereignty. I should also mention there were several women involved in the American Indian movement as well. Women like Sarah Badhart Bull, Anime Aquash. And it was the women who also invited AIM to come out to Pine Ridge during the reign of terror. So it was a movement that was initially started by a group of men, but there were several women involved in the American Indian movement. I just wanted to mention that. And so the book, In the Spirit of Crazy Horse, tells this story of the American Indian Movement and Leonard Peltier, who is currently serving again 46 years in prison, a life sentence for aiding and abetting the murder of Jack Culler and Ronald Williams. And reading this book just completely changed me. I stayed up all night reading till probably three, four. In the morning woke up the next day pick up the book again I just did not put the book down until it was finished and from that point on my life has has been different and I wanted to do something for indigenous people I wanted to do something for our communities I wanted to do something for the people be a part of this movement in some way of educating myself and educating people about tribal issues indigenous issues it was really, I think, the first time in my life where I really felt a sense of pride as well, knowing that, you know, Native Americans, we have this proud history that has been suppressed by the dominant society that we live in. This being given a colonial education that really does teach people of color, especially indigenous people, to really not like ourselves, to even hate who we are. And this book by Peter Matheson writes this book, but so powerful for me just reading the history and reading the story of Leonard and since that point in time in my life started to walk a different path and think differently about the world, think differently about our government, think differently about American history,. US history as it concerns all all people, not just indigenous people but all people of color. And of course I've advocated for the release of Leonard Peltier from prison and you know I, I wrote Bill Clinton. I've written George Bush, I wrote Barack Obama, but yet today, you know, Leonard Peltier still sits behind bars, came to the general public, and there's a lot of people that I run into who don't know who Leonard is today, sadly. I will admit, there was a time in my life that I forgot about Leonard, I forgot about his story, it wasn't that I didn't care any longer but, you know, you just start living your life. And you start doing the things that you want to do. And you kind of forget the people who got you to where you're at today. And I really do believe that without reading in the spirit of Crazy Horse, without having that experience of learning about the American Indian Movement, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. If I didn't know Leonard's story, if I never was introduced, the story of AIM and the story of the Lakota and this fight for tribal sovereignty and the the fights of indigenous people all over the Western hemisphere. If I was never introduced this story as a teenager, I don't know if I'd be where I'm at today. And so I do feel like a, a slight sense of shame that I kind of forgot a little bit about Leonard. And I don't want to say that I ever gave up on the fact that, you know, someday, you know, maybe he would be released from prison, but lately I've been really reflecting on his story and just how impactful it was in my life. And I think that us as an indigenous people, for those of us who, you know, come from oppressed backgrounds, maybe we're not really a part of the dominant society, you know, we need these stories to inspire us. And and his story did, it inspired me. So if you don't know anything about Leonard, I'm just going to tell you just a little bit about his story and some of the facts in the case and. I may not get the dates completely right. There might be some things that I miss. In fact, there's going to be a lot of things that I miss because I don't have any notes here. I'm just kind of going off the cuff of what I remember about his story and what I know. And let me just start with this. I believe that Leonard is innocent. I don't think that he belongs in prison. I think that he should be released. And he was denied clemency by Bill Clinton. He was denied clemency by George Bush. Barack Obama. We had hoped he would be given clemency by Barack Obama. We'd even hope. So here are some of the facts. Yes, two FBI agents, Ronald Williams, Jack Collier, were killed on the Jumping Bull Ranch. We know that they were investigating a stolen pair of cowboy boots, if you can believe that. The FBI on an Indian reservation investigating a stolen pair of cowboy boots. They thought they were pursuing Jimmy Eagle, who was suspected again of stealing a pair of cowboy boots. And if you can believe that's what the FBI was doing, this is in fact true. And they drove up on the jumping pool ranch, and a firefight ensued. Two FBI agents were killed. Joe Stunts, a Native American, was also killed. And we don't know who killed him. That case, of course, was never investigated. We know the FBI... Killed him, but we don't know exactly who it was. And that really wasn't talked about. What was talked about was, again, the murder, the alleged murder of these two FBI agents. We know that Dino Butler, Bob Robidoux, and Leonard Peltier were all tried for the murder of these agents. Well, let me just kind of back up a bit. Dino Butler and Rob... Bob Robidoux, both Native Americans, both members of AIM, were there at the Jumping Bull Ranch, were able to escape and were able to um, flee the ranch after the FBI raided it, after these two FBI agents are, are killed. But they're eventually arrested and they are tried for the murder, and they're both acquitted. Leonard Peltier had fled to Canada where he was awaiting extradition. We'll talk about the extradition story. It's pretty wild. That story in and of itself is just kind of crazy. But Dino Butler and Bob Rabideau were tried, I believe, in Rapid City, and they were both acquitted. And their defense was self-defense. And you might think, self-defense? How are these guys getting off on self-defense? But you have to really understand the history of that area at that time. We're talking about a period that they call the Reign of Terror, you have dozens of native americans a whole long list of native americans who are who are killed or disappeared during this time talking about the peak of the red power movement and there's just a lot of tension a lot of violence and of course when a shootout is Taking place, all these American Indian members, they rush with their rifles, with their guns, to go and defend their community. And so the, these two individuals are tried and they're acquitted. Bob Robidoux and Dino Butler, thankfully, are not convicted of this crime. And had Leonard Peltier been tried with them, had he, he been arrested with Dino Butler and Bob Robidoux, he would have been acquitted, most likely. But he is in Canada. He's awaiting extradition. And of course the FBI and the government is pissed when Dino Butler and Bob Robidoux are acquitted, especially after you know they used this defense of self-defense to gain the acquittal. And so there's this affidavit that is introduced to extradite Leonard Peltier. It's the Myrtle Poor Bear affidavit. And Myrtle Poor Bear is somebody who didn't know Leonard Peltier, but claimed to be his girlfriend, claimed to know him, the American Indian Movement. She had never le- met Leonard Peltier. And what we've learned later is that this a- affidavit is falsified, that Myrtle Poor Bear is kind of set up by the FBI to falsely claim that she knew Leonard, that he had said that he had killed these agents and so forth, all of which was absolute nonsense. And so Myrtle Poor Bear, this young lady at the time who has kids, who is basically coerced and threatened by the FBI. And we know that the FBI was doing all kinds of dirty tactics at this time. You have the Cointel Pro. Program, which is a counterintelligence program, it's really set up to destroy any type of organization that is a threat to the so-called national security of the United States, including you know Black Panthers parties, uh, American Indian movement, any organization that is considered a threat to the security of the United States is um, under surveillance by the FBI, including the American Indian movement and the FBI is using all these really dirty tactics to get after the American Indian movement. They almost completely destroy it. What they do is they, they certainly dismantle it to a certain degree just by arresting people. And pretty much every single AIM member is put on trial for some crime. Most of these crimes, um, they don't gain convictions, but that's, this is a, a a very successful tactic on the part of the government because you you, know, you keep people in the courts you know, busy fighting for their freedom. They're not out there fighting for the rights of the people that they're trying to defend. Anyway, so back to Myrtle Porbear. She provides them with the affidavit that's needed to get the extradition of Leonard Peltier back to the United States for him to be put on trial. And he's not put on trial for the murder. He's put on trial for aiding and abetting the murder of Leonard Peltier. So, you know, I always you know, have to correct myself when he's, when I tell people oh he's serving, you know, two life sentences for the murder of two FBI agents. You know, I always have to correct myself, say no, it's aiding and abetting because even the government themselves admit they don't know who killed the FBI agents. They do not know. But what we do know is there's all kinds of falsified reports. We know that the affidavit, the Myrtle Poor Bear affidavit, is falsified. We know that the ballistic, uh, ballistics evidence is bogus. There's just so much evidence that was introduced that we know today was nonsense. And all of this helped lead to the conviction of Leonard Peltier, again, serving over 46 years in a prison. He's an elder now. He's an old man. To me, he's innocent of the crime. He's always said he was innocent. You know, there's people who have said that he, ad- he admitted to the murder. You know, I don't believe he murdered the two agents. I really don't. I believe that he's completely innocent. And I believe that he should be home with his family today to live out his final years, however many years that he has left. You know, the American Indian Movement has lost so many of its original members and people like Dennis Banks and the Bellacourt Brothers and uh, Russell Means, John Trudell. You know, these people have all crossed over. And Leonard Peltier is still alive. And you have to ask, why is he still in prison after all this time? And we're not talking about um, uh, an individual who is a threat to society. We're talking about somebody who is just an old man and he wasn't convicted of murder he was convicted of aiding and abetting and even the prosecutor in the case i can't think of the prosecutor's name off the top of my head but even one of the main prosecutors that helped keep him in prison has even said that you know today if this case was tried there's no way we would get a conviction that he should be released you know there's numerous senators who have spoken on his behalf numerous people around the world have spoken on Leonard's behalf that have said, you know, he deserves to go home. But the FBI, of course, want him behind bars. They want him to die in prison. You know, he's a, I think a kind of a a sad uh, reminder for them. Some of their losses that they took. And one thing about I've learned about the federal government, just looking at our history. And I know this might rub people the wrong way, but our Federal government is vicious and mean and cruel. And that's really the best way to describe the relationship between our federal government and indigenous communities. Our government has been absolutely vicious and mean and cruel. It's committed acts of genocide. Whether we're talking about the rape and murder of indigenous people, the genocide of indigenous people that started in 1492 before this country was even formed. Or we talked about the boarding school system, which we're just beginning to learn about just how foul that history is, the destruction of indigenous sovereignty and freedom, the destruction of indigenous cultures, again, through the residential boarding school, which is established here in the United States and in Canada as well. The ongoing theft of indigenous territories, the destruction of tribal sovereignty and tribal freedom. You know, Native Americans have had to fight tooth and nail to keep whatever it is that they have left today. And a big part of that fight begins in the '60s with these you know wild indigenous men who are locked up in jails, who are coming out of the the, the cities, coming off the reservations, who are a product of The Termination Act in the 1950s are a product of relocation and all these government policies that are meant to destroy indigenous people. And you have folks like Leonard and Dennis Banks, Russell Means, John Trudell, and so many others, these these warriors who are out there fighting for indigenous rights. And again, I'm referring to AIM. And AIM is not the only, it's not the end-all, be-all of indigenous resistance, you know, if anybody knows this history and they're listening to this, you know, they're probably thinking, well, there's all kinds of people. There's all kinds of indigenous women who have fought for Native rights. Absolutely, 100%. I'm kind of focusing here mostly on AIM. but There's so many different organizations that are formed. You have the takeover of Alcatraz. There's so many other important individuals who are out there fighting for, for Native American rights going all the way back, you know, 100 years, even before the civil rights movement kicks off even before the Red Power movement. But my focus here with this podcast is mostly Leonard, the American Indian movement, and of course his ongoing imprisonment, which I think is just completely immoral and unjust, 46 years behind bars. 46 years. His story, like I said, is very, very powerful. He, to me, is a symbol of Indigenous resistance, indigenous pride—the story of all those Native Americans who got out there and marched, who went out there and decided that they were going to be militant and fight on behalf of indigenous people—it's just an inc- incredible, uplifting story. And I'm not saying these individuals were perfect because they weren't; they made all kinds of mistakes. You know, I'm I'm lucky enough to have been able to have met John Trudell. was able to hang out with him for a few days, probably about a decade ago. I've met Russell Means and met Dennis Banks. I've had the chance to sit and speak with them. And they're just really interesting uh, individuals and human beings. And they're not perfect. They all made mistakes. And there was all kinds of problems within, within the American Indian movement. They weren't perfect. There was a lot of um, you know, hyper-masculinity during that time in the movement and there are just so many other organizations that were just as impactful as aim i think aim was very loud and they carried guns and the media kind of attached themselves to them because of the sensationalism surrounded around the american indian movement and you had the takeover of wounded knee in 1973 and the takeover of the bia building soon after or right before that you had the takeover of alcatraz island back in 1969 i believe but what gets lost in all of this is the meaning behind the bread power movement which was to end violence against native americans in the inner cities you had a lot of native americans who were forced to leave the reservation and moved into the cities It's called the relocation act which is passed in the 1950s and they had the termination act they were basically terminating the tribal sovereignty of tribes all over the United States a lot of these people are being pushed into the, the inner cities into these Native American ghettos and they're you know being promised oh we're gonna help you guys you know relocate and you're gonna live a good life you're gonna be like just regular Americans and they ended up you know in inner cities poor in some cases worse off than they were on uh, Indian reservations. I would argue probably in all cases they were worse off. And so AIM starts in Minneapolis, and from there it grows, but the movement really is about tribal sovereignty, ending the Termination Act, ending police violence against Native Americans, and so much more. There's a lot to AIM that's kind of lost in the images of them carrying weapons, the images of them you know, having shootouts with the FBI, and so forth. But the purpose of the movement is to defend tribal rights, to defend indigenous rights. And that's what Leonard was doing. And I think that's one of his uh, statements that always resonates with me. The only thing I'm guilty of is defending my people. And so if you want to learn his story, you can read up on uh, Leonard Peltier online. There's all kinds of articles about him. And, you know, you'll get a lot of different perspectives. You can read Peter Matheson's book, In the Spirit of Crazy Horse. Leonard Peltier wrote a book titled My Life is My Sundance. It's also a pretty pretty good read as well. And you can watch Incident at Oglala, which is a really good documentary. I think it's free on YouTube. I saw it on YouTube recently. And if you believe that Leonard deserves freedom, you can write... Call the White House. I'll leave some of the information in the show notes. You can write Leonard as well. You can support his defense. And again, there's a whole generation who doesn't know about Leonard. So if you enjoyed this podcast and this you know hits you in any way, share it with somebody. Share it with a younger person. There's a lot of young natives who don't know anything about Leonard. And I feel like there's a lot of folks out there who are doing a really good job of reintroducing Leonard to this this new generation and I want to be a part of that in some way, even if it's just a handful of people. And I'm not saying my podcast reaches tens of thousands of people because it doesn't. I look at the numbers. It doesn't reach tens of thousands of people. It'd be cool if it did, but if I can just reach some people, if some people learn about the Leonard Peltier story and the fact that he's behind bars, that he's not well, that he's one of the last surviving members of this really incredible red power movement that just did so much to help change the lives of all indigenous people change my life. Who knows where I would be without Leonard Peltier. And again, I do, I feel a a sense of shame that I haven't really done much uh, in regards to teaching people about Leonard. when I first started teaching, you know, every semester I'd always, you know, do a lecture on Leonard and, you know, I've done some talks, but I, I could have done more. And that's why I'm doing this podcast today because I could have done more. And I'm going to share as much information about his case as much as possible. And I hope someday, I really do hope someday that I'll be able to, to, to meet Leonard and, I remember when I was a kid, and I, I, I read his story and I remember thinking to myself, you know, someday I'm going to watch that man walk out of prison. And, you know, probably won't get to to do that because when they release people, you know, they do it really quickly, they do it privately, and there isn't a lot of fanfare about it. But I am hopeful. I am truly hopeful that one day Leonard will be released from jail. I'm really hopeful that one day he'll be able to sit with his grandkids, enjoy the rest of his life. You know, he can't even get an interview with people in the media without having to go just through so much static. It's really difficult even for his friends and his families to go and to meet with him. And again, he was not convicted of a murder. He was convicted of aiding and abetting. You know, the FBI released some kind of statement, recently about Leonard Peltier saying, oh, he killed these agents in cold blood. That's absolute nonsense. He did not kill these agents in cold blood. That is not what he was convicted for. So there's a lot of work to be done, a lot of work to be done on on behalf of Leonard, a lot of work to be done, obviously, in issues related to tribal sovereignty. But much of what's happening today, all the good that we see around indigenous communities all the activism, the land back movement, the movement to protect the sacred sites, to protect the homelands, to protect treaty rights. All of this, there's a direct line traced back to Leonard Peltier, the American Indian Movement, and all these different people throughout our history, the history of indigenous peoples who have fought on behalf of tribal freedom, tribal sovereignty to keep the cultures alive, not just here in the Americas, but also in Polynesia and Hawaii, wherever indigenous people exist. And Leonard is a symbol of that. He's a symbol of indigenous empowerment, indigenous freedom, indigenous strength, and that warrior spirit that indigenous people have carried with them since the beginning of colonialism. Anyway, so that's my podcast for the day. I hope that you got something from this. And again, please share this episode if you learned something from it, if you think somebody might enjoy it. And I'll try to put as many resources as I can in the show notes. So this is the 7th Generation Podcast. Leonard Peltier, again, 46 years behind bars. It's time for him to come home. For all the indigenous leaders out there, people doing the hard work, people out there involved in the Land Back movement, involved in protecting tribal sovereignty, just hope you keep doing the good work on behalf of the people. Much love and respect to all the tribal leaders out there who are doing everything they can do to protect the homelands, protect the sacred sites, working on issues related to the Improvement of our communities, strengthening tribal sovereignty, strengthening our cultures. Much love and respect to all of you. And much love and respect to Leonard Peltier and his family. Hope you all just stay strong. And maybe someday I will get to meet Leonard. And I'd love to see him walk out of prison real soon here. All right. This is the 7th Generation Podcast. Peace.